Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. October's the best month in the world. Leaves are turning. Everybody's happy. Kids are back in school. But for sports business people, it is even the bestest month of the world. Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, football starts its second quarter, basically. NASCAR finishes its playoffs. Golf ends its Ryder Cup and begins the season. We'll go back to baseball and Amy Tenery, uh, editor for Reuters Digital, but also fresh off of a forget the season, go to the next season with the Mets. Here she is. Was that okay? Did you mind me mentioning the Mets? That's quite all right. I got to see uh, David Wright get sent off in uh, fine fashion uh, in person uh, on last Saturday. So um, I'm sad, but uh, feeling pretty sentimental about my team and uh, looking forward to next year. Congratulations. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of a quintessential fan. The team starts 10-0, and and she seizes on somebody retiring to buoy her spirits until the beginning of the next season. But we'll focus on something else, which is the overall uh, playoff perspective and the business health of baseball. G- give me your kind of take on, as a, as, as a fan and as a business person, what, you, what do you think of baseball's kind of health going into the playoffs? Well, you know, I what's really jumping out to me right now in this postseason is how exciting some of these matchups have been. You know, we had uh, Rockies-Cubs. They went to 13 innings. I think I read somewhere that's the longest win-and-you're-out game in MLB postseason right. history. Exactly. Um, as a yeah, Cubs so fan, well, I'll verify that. Yes, but right. thrilling. Yeah. Um, and now what we have to look forward to is this uh, blockbuster matchup of Yankees Red Sox. It's the first, or, sorry, it's the fourth time that they've met in the postseason. Both of them are coming into um, their series uh, with a hundred wins or more under their belts. And um, I, you know, I can't help but wonder if this is exactly what Major League Baseball wants to see. Um, and maybe it'll help ratings. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it'll help ratings, but even more than that, ratings is a microcosm of the overall business health. You know, it used to be that you buy a franchise and you may lose a little bit of money, but then you make it back on the resale. Forbes is talking about a 20% increase in franchise values at about a billion and a half on average. Now, the Yankees are over four, so we're not holding a bake sale for them, nor are we for the Red Sox. But primarily, the reason is the media side of it, Major League Baseball Advanced Media, which the value of that entity is over $3 billion. And it's not just ratings, but it's eyeballs in all sorts of devices, which is we've heard. But but then, you know, we talk about parity, which is important. And we know that there have been 27 playoff teams uh, in the last five years, the most in Major League Baseball history, meaning Almost all of the teams have experienced the playoffs, thanks to the one and done and otherwise. And we've gone uh, 18 years and we've only had four repeat World Series champions, which is good. Yet, yet, everybody loves the Red Sox and the Yankees because that is old school. It would be like the Cubs and the Dodgers getting in. Dodgers still have a chance. But so, yeah, that's big superstars in baseball. That's really important, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's a little bit like March Madness. Everybody's going to watch no matter what. But when you talk about 
Yankees, Red Sox. I mean, that's one where I think even if you're not a fan of either team, even if you um, are kind of dislike both teams, you're going to tune in because you want to know what's going to happen. And especially this year in particular, as I mentioned, both of them have at least 100 wins underneath their uh, underneath their belts. That's, um, you know, even if you're not a fan, you're going to watch it. It's, it's Clash of the Titans. Yeah, Clash of the Titans, but also characters in baseball who rise above the fray, leading us to our interview. Everybody's going to love, I'll tell you that in advance, and we'll promote it so everybody's hearing this. Joe Madden, who burst on the scene as a cerebral manager when he took the Rays to the World Series, even though they lost to Philly, but then he's the guy that's retooled the Cubs for the first World Series championship in 2016 in 978 years. Feels like that. And Joe Madden has become... Uh, a, a caricature of somebody who is a sophisticated, linear thinker, someone who can run the Cubs or a corporation. We'll talk about that coming out of the interview, but here's Joe Madden now. The manager of the decade, maybe the century, maybe the millennium. Is a decade longer than a millennium? Um, Do you know? I, it can be. Can, it can <laughs> if be? If you're actually living, it can be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I hope so. I hope I hope I hope we're living long enough. And yeah. I made a comment. It's Joe Madden, by the way, who is the who is the CMO of the Cubs organization. You will talk about why I say that. But yeah. first of all, um, manager extraordinaire. Uh, latest number is ten thousand eight hundred and seventy four wins for the Cubs since their inception. Wow. Uh, most important one first week in November sixteen. November Maybe two. Yeah. November two. You remember exactly. the day? Yeah, exactly. Do you remember where you were? I was in the dugout and I was ground ball to third base, and I thought KB did slip. I thought it he did slip, I, didn't he? But it hit Rizzo in the face, and then I just thought 108 Over. years. Right there. 108 years. Exactly. But do, do, hey, you've reflected for a year and change. Do, do you have the notion of the generational legacy, the game changing? The people come up to you all the time, and they will for the rest of your life. But have you put it in perspective? Well, I think that the longer, you, the, the further you get away from it, the more it becomes in perspective. I think when you're actually living it in a the moment, there's there's so much surrounding it, and your your life is uh, moving very quickly at that point. So you don't really sit down and analyze exactly what had just happened. You know what happened, but you don't really permit yourself that that opportunity. So I think uh, the further you get away from a moment like that, the more you understand the impact. Of course, I know the impact generationally. I, I know uh, you know great grandparents and grand. I get it, but. Uh, you have to kind of like um, almost be done with this to be able to reflect properly and really appreciate the moment. Um, to be part of that uh, that group, the players, the front office, the ownership, the, the fan base, it's, it's, it's pretty exceptional. You're more like Gandhi than a normal baseball manager. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> uh, gosh. Um, you know, there's, um, there's times you got to be a, a philosopher. There's yeah. other times you got to... Well, actually, you know, he did it in a nice way, too. I mean, he, whatever he tried to be forced, well, he did it in a peaceful way, and that's not a bad way to live. You don't, do you lose your temper a lot? Uh, you saw it the other night against Bill Miller. Remember that. Field. That was, uh, right. it's primarily when I, when I, I, I do lose it uh, when umpires, I think, uh, make, make calls like they did the other night, which I think were truly uh, not necessary, and it impacts your game. Listen, we've been practicing since February, yeah. and you've been, our guys play hard every night. To have an umpire just uh, make a call like that, that could put you in a bad place. And you could win or lose a, a division by one game. So yeah. all those things matter. And then at the end of the day, you players have to see you. They have to see you stand up for them. Uh, I promise you, if they do, 
the fight really increases. If they don't, the fight will decrease. Mm. So it's just one of those things you have to do, but for me, it's a part of my nature. And you have less opportunity to showcase that with the replay. You just push a button and it's right or wrong. Right? Exactly. There's there's many, uh, the, there's less moments that you may want to uh, get involved. Uh, balls and strikes a little bit because I can tell up or down. I can't tell in or out. Uh, check swings are a really big part of uh, possibly getting ejected. And plays like the other day when I thought it was truly unjust, then I could get involved. But you're right, uh, instant replay is pretty much taking the argument out of the game. Are your arguments contrived or impulsive? I'm totally impulsive. I, 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 uh, I, could, I could go from zero to 60. I was not even, the other night I wasn't anticipating any of that. And all of a sudden here I am in the middle of this and I'm out there um, speaking loudly with Bill and I, he was not going to throw me out. So I knew I had to do something to get him to throw me out. Thus, I, I ran down to first base. I've never done that before. <laughs> so they're like a first baseman to really make my point, and then I walked off the field. Are you fined when you get thrown well, of out? Of course. Yeah, I haven't seen that, received that yet, but I'll be Well, fine. it'll go to charity. Yeah, anyway. it, it right, right. Exactly. Good. Yeah, 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 good for you. Yeah. So you've been in the game now 25 years? Well, you've been in the, the managing, the, uh, coaching, the, the coaching side, 93. Three? May 94 was my first year All right, as so, a coach. So Sosha, Buck Rogers, uh, Terry Collins, John McNamara. Marcel you, Lashman. Yeah, I forgot him. Yep. You had a chance to work with major league managers. Right. I assume learning bits and pieces from each one as you went along? Of course. Uh, started yeah. with Gene Mock. Gene was there when I, when I first came up uh, as, a major league, uh, as a minor league coach going to major league camps, and Gene was the manager. And I had so much respect for him, um, his mind and how he did things. And he, he took a shine to me. He liked me. Uh, he put me in charge of different things when I was very young because he watched me in instructional leagues and he liked the way I ran instructional league. I was just doing my thing. I wasn't trying to impress anybody, but Gene saw everything. So Gene was the first guy that, that made those kind of impressions on me. Uh, there was hitting coaches like Benny Himes and, and um, Rick Down. They made a lot of impressions on me. Marcel Latchman is another great example. Uh, moving for the best coach I've ever had, the best mentor I've ever had was Bob Clear. Nobody's ever heard of Babalu, but Babalu was uh, an old pirate farmhand. Uh, pitched in the minor leagues a long time. He knew Mr. Ricky. Mm -hmm. um, he, was, uh, he was there when Clemente was there. So Bob Alou is the guy that really um, put me on my way. When you write your leadership book and you transcend, um, what do you think the traits of uh, a, a CEO of a large corporation, how do they match with the way you run the Cubs? I'd imagine no different at all, yeah. anyway, but I hope to believe it's no different yeah. at all. I mean, um, I, I really think it, it's, I've had, we have this artwork out this year and, and on the Banksy, it's uh, really typifies exactly what I think you have to do in order to, to be that person and that's to build relationships. Once you've done that, trust ensues and then after that you can exchange ideas and at that point then you can really be constructively critical of one another because there's not going to be any pushback just based on somebody trying to be right and then you really get something done. So I, I don't think it's any more complicated than that and I also think the other part of that are great listening skills. If you think you know everything, you're not going to listen. And if you just want yes men around you, you're never going to prosper. So all those things are important. Final question from a management perspective. If you accept the Cubs as a worldwide brand and you see yourself, some could see you as the CMO of a worldwide brand, you're the front porch of a larger brand on and off the field. Do you conduct yourself a little differently or is it still how do you get a runner from first to third? Are you more global in your perspective, understanding the legacy of the brand? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I understand the, the global perspective, but I don't think of it. I mean, I just think of it in, I really try to stay in the present tense as much as I possibly can. And if I'm able to do that, then all this other stuff will translate properly. And if, I, if I'm more conserved about, concerned about this, 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 
this this larger uh, stage, then I'm probably going to make more mistakes. Then your then your um, your focus wanes. So just stay in the present tense, and good things will happen. And your charity, uh, really important. Obviously, we're here yeah. today for that. Talk a minute about that. What's well, the Respect 90 Foundation, yeah. and under that umbrella, today's specific event uh, benefits the Hazleton Integration Project in my hometown, where we're trying to. We are. We're not trying. We're bringing together the Hispanic and Anglo cultures in my hometown. We have a community center right now. Uh, very um, vibrant uh, post-school academic kind of a situation. Athletics in our gym, in and outside of our gym, we've got uh, we got this wooded area now too. Uh, we're getting a lot more participation from the locals, so that's really prospering, and it really is at the forefront of what's going on in the nation right now. If it mattered, if you knew that the person that's interviewing you hasn't taken off Cubs shorts in two years and has promised not to take them off until the Cubs win again and has started a playoff beard, would it uh, impact how you manage? I would sit a little bit farther away from you if you knew all that. <laughs> um. All right, so Joe Madden, I'm impressed with him. I've been a Cub fan for life, and I've seen the doldrums of the Cubs, and this is not doldrums. This is a linear thinker, but I've already been impressed coming in. Amy, what's your thought about Joe Madden after you heard the interview? Oh, I mean, I'm absolutely impressed as well. I mean, hard hard not to be. Um, you know, what I thought was so interesting was the way he talked about how he, you know, simultaneously said that he has to perform a little bit when he gets in the umpire's faces in order to be an effective leader and to show that he's advocating for his players. But at the same time said, oh, you know, it's not it's not performative. It's all instinctual and I'm not doing it on purpose. So I thought that was kind of funny in this, this sense that he's, balancing real raw emotions with this also uh, maybe desire to grandstand just a tad to show his players, hey, I'm on your side. I'm fighting for you. I'm advocating for you. Yeah. And you remember the context, too, because he does think about everything in advance. He says it's instinctual, but the instinctual answer (laughs) was instinctual, the ultimate irony. And now that we have the opportunity to challenge things by replay, you can't get worked up about everything anymore because tape doesn't lie. So it's like John McEnroe in tennis. you got to figure out how to exert your leadership, which leads us to the other question. Uh, he is a transformative figure in baseball, but we think that he has the same management skills and traits. We've asked him about this, right, as whether you're running a big business and CEO of the Cubs world and Cubs brand certainly COO, and he answered it in the context you would normally suggest a businessman would answer it, businesswoman, businessman. Really impressed with that stuff. What do you think? Yeah, I agree as well. I thought that was a great question, and I think especially, um, you know, maybe with baseball more than um, most other professional sports, obviously there's no salary cap, um, and you do need to think about your players individually as um, as. Uh, pieces of a, a larger business and each of their values. And then that's a really cynical way of putting it. And I hate to, I hate to put it that way, but um, I think it's just an undeniable fact that you have to um, look at your players each individually as in, in their inherent value. Listen, Amy Tenery, it is not cynical. It is appropriate with payrolls over $200 million. You got to think of people that way. And Hey, you know, I'm over it a little bit. They're my Cubs. Uh, We'll be sitting it out this year. I'll focus on some red herring to get me through the offseason just like you did. And next week we talk basketball, hockey. The season's open. Rick Harrow, see you next week. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Our producer, Alex Cohen. Associate producer, Freddie Joyner. Assistance provided by Carlos Waddick. 
Tanner Simpkins, Jesse Leeds, and Jamie Swimmer, and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Ricaro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.